Welcome to Inside a Boat, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Dave Jones. We are in season five. Like I am, I took some time off. Obviously, uh, we haven't released a podcast in a while. We took, you know, December and then we took January, but now we're back. And we have a special guest with us today. And we're going to talk about something that's pretty interesting and I think impacts everybody, to be honest. Um, and everybody has questions about it. Um, we have George Lane with Guild Mortgage today. How are you doing, George? Dave, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Always enjoy these uh, these sessions chatting through with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's it, you know. And I want to I want to make sure that people understand like this is just your you know like there's other economists out there and people that are talking, but like I find you very knowledgeable. You send out weekly um, you know updates on on the mortgage rates and stuff like that. So I think you'd be I thought you'd be a good person to talk to about this stuff. And we've had you on before, so we got to keep you know we got to keep that ball rolling. Going. But today I want to talk about the 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 not only the the financial market in general, but also in specific to um, buyers, sellers of homes, um, anyone that's in the market to, to in real estate. We talked about the GDP, for example, and the China trade deal and things of that nature. So I want to like get an update on that as well, and your, or your thoughts on that. So um, first and foremost, like, what, what how you doing? <laughs> like you great, like everyone else, you know, navigating our way through uh, through our crazy uh, COVID world. Um, and it, you know, it's the interesting thing was I don't know if, if how well people remember this, but gosh, back in March 2020, when we first started going on these lockdowns, we had a complete nightmare meltdown in the mortgage industry. I mean, I remember one day in early April, interest rates jumped one percent in the day. That just, oh, wow. It's unheard of. That just doesn't happen. Um, you know, the markets then calmed down because the Fed jumped in and, and said, wait, 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 we're going we're gonna to make right. it smoother. And the Fed's been super active since then. So what the Federal Reserve, one of the things that they can do is they can control monetary policy. So what they're doing right now is they're actively purchasing mortgage bonds. Mm. They're doing it every single week and they're telegraphing exactly what they're doing because they want the markets to be very aware of their policy and their plans. Interesting. So the big advantage with that when the Fed buys mortgage bonds, what they're doing is they're creating demand. Okay. Okay. So we've got the supply of mortgage bonds because we've had plenty of purchases going on and a lot of refinances happening over the last 12 months. Well, so the, the Fed, when they're creating demand, what they're doing is they're keeping the prices of bonds propped up so that okay. And when prices are up, that means interest rates are low. And so okay. the idea behind that is, and it's it's just an inverse relationship. As prices go up, yield comes down and yep. interest rate. So we've got this low interest rate environment right now, primarily because the Fed wants it that way. Okay. And the reason they want it that way is the housing industry is a huge engine for the U.S. economy. Right. When someone buys a house they're buying that house they're using a bunch of services in the process but then they're probably buying furniture yep. they might have a painting contractor come in a carpet you know so they're 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 using home depot they're just all the the money spreads out when the housing market is active and the fed wants it active so they're keeping rates low by through this activity of buying mortgage bonds okay that, so is it safe to say then is it safe to say that when they do stop that that the rates will go up yes so now, so now here's the here's the deal, and this is what what I think the Fed is doing as well as they've ever done. They have told the markets 
we will tell you very clearly when we're changing strategy, when our monetary policy is, is changing from so accommodative to more restrictive, more yeah. restrictive meaning they're gonna buy less mortgage bonds, they're gonna let the market, the free market take over again. And the reason they're doing that is they know that the economy still isn't back up. We're, right. we're seeing improvements in some areas. Manufacturing is doing way better than it was 12 months ago, um, but the service sector is still hurting, right? Hospitality, yeah, yeah. restaurants, hotels, all that, just not doing well. And they know until that is back and healthy and the employment in that, in the service arena is back and healthy, we're not going to be a fully functioning economy. So their idea is let's get that back up and, and rolling. And they're going to know that when they say we're back to full employment, which it's kind of hard to define because they don't give an exact number, but most economists pin it at four to five percent unemployment rate. Okay. Which is where we were a year ago now. Right, right. Before COVID hit, we were in a terrific spot in terms of unemployment, in terms of job creation. That was all still going well. So that's the that's their number one thing. The other piece they're looking at is inflation. And they they want to get to a point where we average two percent inflation. Mm, okay. which is a little different from what they talked about previous to, to COVID because they always said, when we get to 2% inflation, that's in a sustainable level for us. And then we're going to back off of our, our monetary policy and we're going to start to raise rates. That was the idea behind it. Well, the idea of averaging 2% is what they're basically saying is we're going to let inflation grow above 2%. So when okay. we look at it over a three a three month period or a six month period, and we see that it averages two percent, now we know we're ready to that the economy is is kind of back on its footing, and then they can back off from those mortgage bond pur purchases and let interest rates rise. Okay, and when they rise, like because before this, weren't we at like four, three, four, five ish range? Well, a year ago we were about three point eight seven five. Yeah. Compared to 3% right now, just kind right. of general numbers. Um, and then prior to that, the year before that, we were in the mid fours roughly. Right. So, um, so we've, what I think we would see is when the Fed does finally back off um, and start to let interest rates kind of rise naturally, we'll probably see it, it drift up into the fours. And then eventually we'll kind of get towards the fives, but it's going to take a while to get there. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's, that's the good part that I'm hearing you say is that there, this isn't going to be a surprise or anything like that, where it'll be something that we can predict and we can say like, okay, the rates are going to go up in Q2 of 22, you know, right. or something like that. And it's more of a calculated response based on the um, inflation employment rate right. and things of that nature. Okay. So just, I mean, just thinking about employment, let's, let's say the vaccine kicks in, we get to a much healthier place where business can open up across the U.S. and the service industry starts rolling again. What's that going to be? July, August, September? I mean, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's a ways before we're going to start to see that employment really, really kick up. Um, there's always the chance that it could happen faster than that, but realistically, it seems like it's going to be more third quarter to fourth quarter before we really start to see the employment rates getting back to where we were 12 months ago. So we've got yeah. a ways that we're going to still be in this, in this rate environment. Yeah. And that's and saying all that to say, I don't even, 
that doesn't mean that things are going to, you know, as far as the housing market is just going to come to a halt. I've seen reports of people talking about like the roaring twenties, you know, right. and, and when we get out of this, and I think that's just human behavior. I mean, we were sitting here just talking about things we wanted to do when we get out of this thing. Um, right. And so do you foresee that happening? Like where it's just like, you know, consumer confidence in anything is going to be pretty high because of the human behavior. Well, absolutely. And so you're going to have the interesting thing we have right now, of course, is we have the have and have nots, right? And we've seen that this COVID, if anything, it's- It's it's going to exacerbate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But the thing that I find fascinating right now, Dave, is with with clients who who are employed and confident in their job prospects, they're active in this market, right? Yeah. They're, they're looking at the, they're looking to buy houses. They're going to buy a car. They're going to do all of that. So you, yep. and that's a pretty big chunk of our population still that that's still active in that. The question will be how quickly will the people who are finally getting back to work again in the service industries, how quickly are they confident to start spending money? Right. Yeah. But I, I would, I would agree the roaring twenties. I've also heard it referred to as the Biden bounce. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. going to benefit from, you know, this once, once things really start to kick in, that yep. the Biden balance is going to take place. Interesting. So, yeah, one of one of those two. And yeah, I, I think that's pretty realistic that we're going to see some some increased spending. Um, yeah, and to your to your point about um, people spending, I, I read in a report somewhere that under thirty thousand in the car in the auto industry under thirty thousand uh, dollar price point that thirty thousand and under price point those those sales were de- declining big time. Whereas in the, you know, I think it was 50, I forget the, the, where they used the the mark, but 50 or 60 and up was thriving. Um, right. So I thought that that was fascinating. Well, and, and just think about that from the standpoint of if you've got someone who's, again, they've got, they make a good income, especially if it's a two person household and they're both working, they've got all this money, they can't travel. Right. <laughs> it's hard as heck to go out to dinner. So maybe you're, maybe you're, you know, takeout, but you're probably not buying alcohol. There's just difference yep. in our spending pattern. So people got this money like, all right, I'm going to buy a nicer car. Yep. I'm going to buy a second home. How many people are, are looking oh, yeah. at that now? Cause they can work from anywhere. So just those, again, the haves and have nots, we're seeing that spread. Yeah. And that's, and we don't know what the, what the impact of that will be. So I don't have this question on the, on the thing, but like, what does that mean for the forbearance market? Is, is there anything that you, um, are you concerned about the forbearance market or would you think like this new stimulus that they're trying to get moving is going to impact that in a positive way? I, yeah, in a positive way, definitely. Um, and the, you know, the interesting thing is when the forbearance program first rolled out, um, you didn't have to say anything other than it was COVID related and yeah. you automatically were, were allowed to, to jump into the forbearance program. Um, that's changing a little bit because we've been far enough along that for people to still claim forbearance, they've got to do a little more, a little more documentation. Right. Okay. What's, uh, you know, they've got to show income and, and what's happened that's, that's impacting them. So that's, that part of it is, um, has become a little more challenging, but I think with the stimulus plan, we could see the people who have been long-term furloughed or flat out just laid off at, at this point, it's going to get a little easier for them to, to kind of continue in that forbearance program. Okay. That's... One, of the, one of the big things that came out of this is that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the FHFA, which is the Federal Housing Finance Authority, which yep. backs up Fannie and Freddie, right? Overseas Fannie and Freddie. Yeah. Um, they got pretty aggressive in terms of coming up with a plan where 
people who couldn't make up that payment right, right away when they were going back into their regular payments, that's been tacked onto the end of their, their loan. And that was not an option before we got into the, the whole COVID related forbearance program. So the overall, there's been a lot of um, just the guidelines, the, the ability to, to change the way the program works has mm-hmm. increased tremendously over the last nine months. And that's just a testament to people realizing, hey, people aren't at fault here. This right. is an outside factor that's really messed with their lives. So let's work with them. Yeah, no, that's that's good. That's good. Good to know. I mean, I, this is all helpful information, I think, for a lot of people that are listening as far as, you know, their confidence and where things are going and the rates. I think a lot of people are looking at that. In terms, going back to the mortgage rates, um, we you, you had a video that you sent out not too long ago that talked about buying power. Why are the rates important for the buyers out there that are looking at homes? Yeah, so I'll tell, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, in lending, we know this because we play with these numbers all the time, but we don't always talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, the big thing I I showed in, in that, or one of the things that one of the big takeaways for me was I had a little chart there that looked at rates for the last three years. And then in kind of, I think it was October, 2018. So it was four, four different rates. And it went from 3% currently back up to where we were in high fours in in October of 2018. Well, just looking at the last 12 months. So last year, about this time, we were at 3.875 on a 30-year fixed. Mm. And we were now we're about 3% on a 30-year fixed. Yep. That difference right there, when you translate it into payment, and I I took a, a number and said, okay, let's just look at a $1,900 principal and interest payment. Yep. Last year and this year. And what does that translate to in terms of a purchase price? And it's a $50,000 difference in wow. purchase price Wow! at the same payment a year ago this year. But that lower interest rate has a huge impact on what you can buy. Mm-hmm. If you're just, if you're saying, I really don't want to go any higher than this in payment. That's just that, that lower interest rate has such a huge impact. Yeah. And it's it, one of the things that I'll talk with clients a lot about is let's say, um, let's say I've got a, a client who's buying a house for 400,000 and they're putting 5% down and just kind of going along, along normal, normal. And then they get down to closing or a little before closing and realize, yeah, I've got a little extra money here, or perhaps they did a little negotiating with the seller on, on some issue and they got a, a seller credit for some, some extra funds. And they said, Hey, I'd like to put this extra money towards, uh, towards my down payment, yeah. pay down a little bit more, 3,000, 5,000. And it's one of those conversations I'll have with the clients like, Mm-mm, let's not do that. Cause you're going to lower it $3,000. You're going to save 15 bucks a month. Let's take that $3,000 and let's buy your rate down. Yeah. We might be able to save you 50 bucks a month. So just that huge impact of lower, lowering your interest rate and what it does for your payment, it does way more work than lowering your loan amount or adjusting your, your thought process there at all. It's let's play with that interest rate. Let's get that interest rate lower. And it has a huge impact for, uh, for clients and buying power. Absolutely. And who should they talk to when they want to know more about their personal situation when it comes to this stuff? Right. We always want to talk to George Lane. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you include this, but anyone, if anyone has questions, I'm always happy to talk. They can email me, glane at guildmortgage.net. Yep. You can always call me. It's 253-209-1895. So always oh, yeah. I'm going to add that in, you know, that, uh, you know, so yeah, we're going to be, it won't be at the end. It's going to be in the middle here too. Um, so like when, and, and 
we talked about, let's get to more of a macro scale. So like we, we talked about the China trade deal. I'm really interested, fascinated to hear about this because I haven't read up on it. I haven't checked in on the, the trade deal. So when we talked last early in 2020, I believe it was, we talked about part, you know, one part of the China trade deal that Trump had like talked about and had put into action in motion. And the other one would come after the election. And obviously we know what happened. He didn't get elected. So where are we at on that, on that trade deal? Is it still in motion or is it, how does that work now? Well, so Biden has not made it clear yet what he plans to, to do with this. So the, the big thing with, with Trump was that he imposed tariffs on China and that was his way of trying to get China to open up their, their markets more and, and be a, what he, what he was looking for is a more open trading partner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the tariffs, you know, they worked to some degree in that they got China to the, the table to talk about, um, about a trade deal. And so we got that initial trade deal negotiated. Got it. Not much happened with it really. Got it. Okay. It never really got implemented. Um, so now it's going to be a matter of, of Biden with his trade trade team. He's, they're going to have to go back into, into conversation with China and certainly, um, from what I've read so far, the Biden administration still plans to kind of hold China to a to you know a fair trade yeah. policy. Yeah. But take a different tack. I I don't think we're going to see the tariffs implemented quite okay. like Trump did. It'll be more on a truly along the um, lines of negotiating. But I think what we'll also see is the Biden administration try and get the European Union in mm. particular to try to work together to negotiate with, with China. That would I be interesting. Biden look at this more as a global yep. than as a unilateral U.S. versus China. Yeah, because, well, it, doesn't, it impacts everybody, I think, in, in yeah. different ways. Um, I'll just keep it really like there's a simple like I have a camera that I bought this year uh, or in 2020. It, it was released in the summer and I don't I mean, I think you can buy it now. But like for, yeah, a better part of the second half of 2020, you couldn't really even get it because of, you know, production and terror like this. You just couldn't. It was hard to get. Right. Um, and I think that's going to it's changed now because of time and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's just it, it impacts all different people in different ways. So. That's interesting. Yeah, so the interesting thing about the whole trade deal is we're not it that's kind of moved to the background. So we're not seeing it have a, a big impact on the stock market and mm -hmm. it's not having a big impact on on rates right now. The the biggest biggest factor going right now is um potential stimulus plan mm -hmm. and potential infrastructure plan. Um cuz Biden yep. said well, he's already proposed the the stimulus plan. That's yeah, already in there, you know, kind of working its way through. But he's also talked about an infrastructure plan, you know, bridges, roads, roads, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Government yeah. building, trying to number number one, <laughs> we've got a lot of bridges and roads out there that need work. But mm -hmm. number two, putting people to work as yeah. well. That would be an a, an idea behind it. Now that's got a whole lot of negotiating through Congress to to come into play. Right. But the idea behind those are there. Number one the infrastructure plan would be very good for us manufacturing companies. Okay. It's going to, it's going to increase jobs for them. It's going to increase then jobs for, for workers. So that's a positive and that affects stocks. Yeah. So see the stock market doing a little better for those, those types of companies. The stimulus plan is more impactful for service companies because okay. it does give an opportunity then for 
restaurants, yep. hotels, airlines to kind of shore up their their financials and get get back to back to work. So, but you know, again, that's impacting the stock market positively because you we're starting to see an opportunity for those companies to do better and and therefore their values to go yeah. up. Yeah. Um, so. Then we talked about, so we talked about the trade deal. We talked about the presidential election. Like if in, in wrapping up, like for a casual, a casual listener or anyone that's like dipping their toe in the market, a buyer or a seller, why is it a good time to buy or sell a home right now? Yeah. Well, so there's a couple of things that, that jump out to me along those lines. Number one, rates are fantastic and yeah. they are historically low rates. Um, there's a, there's a little benefit to that in that we're not expecting rates to jump for, for several months yet. Um, but you also don't want to be so late to the game that you miss it. So mm-hmm. better to, to get in and start start getting pre-proved and start looking now and, and being ready to go. Um, right. The other thing that, that I think is amazing, and actually you would know this even better than me, just the appreciation we've seen in the market oh, yeah. the last yeah. 12 months. But really, if you look at the last five years, um, waiting a year has made a huge difference <laughs> in terms of the price of homes. Yeah. And you decrease your buying power, right? right? So, I mean, like, well, it depends on who you're talking to, but, um, you know, in conjunction with the, the mortgage rates being low, um, you increase your buying power that way, but you also by waiting, decrease your buying power based on a double digit appreciation rate that we've had for who knows the last four or five years. I can say with confidence. Um, and if it wasn't 11%, then it was eight or nine, you know, which is pretty dang good. Um, for any, uh, in any measure, like whatever market you're in with your money and, and, you know, if you're getting a digit return, that's a good year over year. That's a good deal. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating to, to hear about that with the, with the rates. Yeah. And I think the other thing that, um, people need to, to really consider, I've had this question from, or maybe I should say this comment from a number of clients saying, well, I think I'm going to wait for the values to come down, you know, where they think it's a bubble essentially that we're in. We're in a real estate bubble again, we're in a real estate bubble again. We're in a very different position now than we were before the great recession, where there was truly a, a feeding frenzy going on, where it was just, as, uh, as Greenspan famously said, irrational exuberance. What's driving this right now is supply and demand. I mean, it's just very simple. There is way more demand than there is supply. So values are going up. And, you know, barring a situation where all of a sudden half of the state of Washington decides they're going to sell their house, we're going to be in a, in a, tight, uh, a tight market for a, a little while here yet. Yep. So there's, you know, waiting for values to come down is, is not a good strategy. <laughs> I agree. You know, and I, you're absolutely nail on the head with the supply and demand where we have historic lows across the country um, in terms of inventory. Now, obviously that has a lot to do with people hunkering down and staying home, but there's also people moving and shaking too. So, yeah. but yeah, even here in Pierce County, we're, we're at what 0.4 uh, months of inventory, which is, you know, a couple weeks maybe. Uh, and, and just, yeah, it, it's, even if we had, I was saying this last year, I said, even if we had a significant bump in increased inventory, then it would bring us to maybe balanced, you know, which is a balanced market. We're, if we had a, 
we're going to still be in a seller's market pretty deep in the event that we have a lot of stuff come on the market. So I don't see that happening for at least another two to three years, maybe. Yeah. And depending on the and on new construction too, and where what that's ha- what's happening with that. And we can't forget that people are moving into Pierce County in droves. Yeah. Um, so I think that we're in good shape in terms of our county of being in this, we're going to be in this spot for a little bit and we don't have any land to build any new construction in Tacoma. So exactly. So yeah. now I, if, if people are waiting because they think values are going to come down, I, I think they're going to be upset with themselves Yeah. in a year or two. Yeah. No, I will. Thank you for your time, George. As always, yeah. this has been really informative for me and I'm sure for anybody that's listening. So um, how can they find you again? Yeah, it's, uh, it's George Lane. Num- number is 253-209-1895 or glane at guildmortgage.net. All right, man. Well, thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, until next time, folks, we'll be back next week with another topic. We're back on season five inside of Bo Podcast. See you later.